Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Up from the grave, he arose. And he arose, I'm telling you, with all power. He arose with all glory. He arose with all authority, and he is the risen God of all grace. And that's who we've come to praise this morning and to thank this morning. It's salvation by grace. It's your sanctification by grace. And it's going to be your glorification all by his grace. And I'm telling you this morning, it's not about hiding eggs it's about an empty tomb it's not about rabbits it's about a lamb that was slain shed his blood three days and three nights later rose from the grave we've come to lift him up praise the lamb behold the lamb the lamb of god which taketh away sins of the world god said in his holy word he would provide himself a lamb. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I'm telling you this morning, if there's one thing that's worthy, it's the lamb. If there's one person that is worthy, it's worthy is the lamb. That lamb said, I am the resurrection. And the life. And those outside that tomb testify. You know what they testify? He is risen. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign. He arose, he arose. I say to you this morning, you can say it as well. Hallelujah. He arose. He arose so you can be justified, eternally saved, eternally sealed, and eternally secure. And I thank God that I can abide in him. I thank God that I can remain in him. I'm telling you, Christ arose. And he gave me a melody that rings within my heart. How about you? Hebrews 1 tells me he's better than the angels. Hebrews 7 tells me he's better than the law. He uh, Hebrews 7 tells me he's a better testament. Hebrews 8 tells me he's the mediator of a better covenant with better promises. That's the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 tells me he's a better sacrifice. You got something to offer me this morning? I've got something better to offer you. And if you don't know him as your savior, may I introduce you to him this morning? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And up from the grave, he arose. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mark 16. We have four different gospel accounts and each one, at this tomb gives us a glimpse of some different things. 
Mark is a Roman audience and it portrays Christ as a suffering servant. And in Mark chapter 16, look at verse 7, it says, but go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter. Now, Mark's account is the only one that adds and Peter. I'm telling you, these accounts of the empty tomb, it'll preach to you. And Peter, forgiveness offered. Grace offered. Are you a Peter this morning? Peter denied the Lord three times. And Mark's account says, and Peter. That graciousness of God, that forgiveness of God hinted there. Look at verse number nine in Mark 16. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. The other accounts would mention Mary Magdalene, but you know what you have that's drawn out that's different in the Mark account? It draws out the truth that he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Now, that's pretty good. Uh, Mary Magdalene, it says in Mark 16, of whom he had cast seven devils. Maybe this morning you can relate and the tombs preaching to you about your troubled past. You know, God saves selfish sinners. God saves social sinners. God saves sexual sinners. It don't matter what type of sinner you are. God offers salvation. There's spiritual sins, pride, discontentment, gluttony, envy, laziness. The uh, um, laziness is this sin that says it's too hard, so I'll run from it. But God saves all types of sinners from all types of sins. These so-called spiritual sins versus ooh, the real bad satanic sins. I haven't done those. You've done some sins. But maybe you can relate to Mary Magdalene as your troubled past is your hang-up. And it doesn't matter. God said he is able to save them to the uttermost. Have you had a troubled past that's holding you back from serving God? I'm telling you, God saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. You live a life, you've been in the gutter. I'm telling you, God will save you to the utter. And he will equip you to be able to serve him. Don't, I'm telling you, that empty tomb preaches. Don't allow your troubled past to cause you to not want to serve God. The other thing that's interesting is that that culture back in that day didn't value a woman's testimony as much as it valued a man's testimony. But the Lord Jesus Christ, in, his, in the account here, man, that's great. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary now, a woman. Ladies, may I say to you this morning, Jesus can use you, and Jesus wants to use you. Just be willing to avail yourself. That's Mark's account. Let's, let's flip forward uh, to the book of Luke. Let's go all the way to the back. That's where the account will be. Let's go to Luke 24. And in Luke chapter number 24, 
We don't have a Roman audience. We have a Greek audience. And Jesus is pictured as the son of man. And in Luke chapter number 24, uh, maybe, maybe you're not Peter, the backslider. <laughs> he denied the Lord three times. Maybe that tomb's not preaching to you uh, as, as, a, as a Peter. Maybe the tomb's not preaching to you as a Mary Magdalene of a troubled past. Maybe it's preaching to you as one of the two disciples from Emmaus. Maybe you're confused. Watch what the Bible says in verse number 13 of Luke 24. And behold, uh, this is unique to Luke. You won't find these two disciples in mentioned in the other two accounts. Uh, but we're looking at what's unique here in these in these gospel accounts. And we're drawing the light now. Uh, the same day they came to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlong. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. They don't recognize the Lord, but he's right there with them. The Lord didn't show them a face they could recognize. Their physical eyes were laying hold of the Savior, but their hearts didn't want to see him. So the Lord didn't allow them to see him. Because your eyes see spiritual truth that your heart wants to see. Now, this confusion comes in because these two disciples, they had hearts that were full of two things. It was They had hearts that were full of love. But at the same time, they had hearts that were full of doubt. And when you mix those two things together, you come up with what? You come up with confusion. So watch what Jesus does. He doesn't preach to them. In verse number 17, he says, and he said unto them, what manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sat? Jesus simply asked a question. That's a really good place to start. Asking people questions. Look at verse 18. And the one of them whose name was Cleopas. Answering said unto him. Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem. And hast known the things which are come to pass. In these days. And we only get one of them. One of their names. How many of you this morning are kind of like me? You want to know what the name of the other disciple is. Don't we like to know the things that aren't in the Bible? Why is that? There is something within the heart of man that, okay, we all have this truth from God's word. But there's something over here that might be obscure. There's some truth over here that God may have withheld from us. 
And for some reason, our hearts just say, I want to know more about that. May I say to you this morning, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have scripture, and it is enough. We don't need, you know, it's this digging up, oh, I found another book of the Bible. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Your heart, my heart, our hearts desire more truth than God said he wants to give us. And when we say that the Bible is our final authority, yet when we find something in the Bible that we just got to have more information on and it leads us to another source, and we make that source our final authority, God says, we're wrong. We're wrong. We don't know the name of the other disciples. But we do know Cleopas. And we do know that maybe some of us can relate to Cleopas's companion. Maybe we're the one that has to know more. We've got to find this extra little angle on truth. We just got to let everybody kind of know that, look, we found this. No. Be okay with the truth that God gave us, and let's rejoice her. Or maybe you, maybe myself, there's times in our life when we can relate to the confusion. The Lord's right there, yet they don't see him. Look at verse 24. The Bible says, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found that even so, as the woman had said, but him, they saw not. And that whole account, the Lord, he lets them talk about their anxieties. The Lord listens to them mourn and grieve. And you know what else the Lord does? Watch verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? You know what's interesting about this account is the Lord isn't trying to prove his existence. He exists. It's declared as truth. And for the second time we see him ask another question now that's our lord he will listen to our anxieties he will listen to us mourn and he will ask us some questions and this is exactly what's going on here may i say to you this morning a good place to start with people is to listen to them another good place to start with people would be to just ask them some questions that's exactly what the lord is doing and he's not trying to, well, watch what, watch. Watch what he says next in verse 27. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. How do I discern the risen Christ? The scriptures. Jesus asked them two questions. And then the scriptures are open. And then the scriptures are talked about. 
And then the scriptures is the one thing that will help you and I discern truth. If you're relating to these two disciples on the two Emmaus and you're confused, may I say to you this morning, allow the scriptures to help us. It will sort out a lot of confusion and help us discern who the risen Christ is. Look at verse number 28. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him saying, abide with us. For it is toward evening, the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Now I'm going to give you some really deep theological truth this morning. That's found in these two verses. And it's one word. And it's called hospitality. And I'm not saying this condescendingly. I'm not trying to be sarcastic when I say this. Try it sometime. And I'm saying it to myself too. Try spending time with people. That's Christian hospitality. Christ. The one who we say we're a Christ one, a Christian. He is spending time with them. They don't even know he's the Christ yet. You don't have to spend time with the most spiritual person you know. And please don't avoid spending time with people because you believe you're the most spiritual person you know. Because if I did that or you did that, we would be considered prideful. And our Lord could have said to these disciples, what are you, you two dummies? You don't know who I am? Man, that'll preach to us. This empty tomb will preach to us. How many times I've just been short with people because it's the attitude. You don't know this? Hospitality. Let's all try it. Let's all try it sometime. Look at verse 30. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. I'm telling you, they came to recognize the Lord during a meal. When was the last time you took someone out for a meal? You had a cup of coffee with them. You sat down and you had some breakfast with them. You had somebody over for lunch. You gathered around the table. You spent time preparing a meal. I'm telling you, this empty tomb will preach to us. Investing in people. Corporate outreaches are great. But if I had an opportunity to sit down with every stranger and sinner in town for 15 minutes over a cup of coffee at a diner, sign me up for that. I get to share a meal with a stranger and fellowship with them? Oh, I forgot. I've got to be somewhere. 
American Christianity has got us so busy being busy, we don't have time for a meal anymore. I've just got to, I've got to eat this food so fast because I got somewhere to go. Pass out a thousand tracks at a weekend outreach or sit down with 10 people over the course of two weeks at a table with a meal. If I had my choice, I'd pick the 10 strangers at a table. One-on-one -on -one time. Matters. It does. Be interested in someone who might not share your interests. And that's what the Lord is doing. Look at verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? Their hearts went from confusion to burning while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. That's where it's at, folks. The scriptures. 34. And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Do you know what they're doing immediately after they recognize that the Lord is risen? Oh, this is good. Do you know what they're doing? They're going out witnessing and they're telling others. They didn't keep it to themselves. He is risen. He is risen. And you want to drop eggs from a helicopter? He is risen. If we have dumbed down the gospel and the good news of the resurrection to one day out of the year, we have completely missed what the gospel's about. We preach the resurrection every day. We preach the gospel, which includes the good news of the resurrection, or it's not a gospel. Every week, we go out. Are you getting up this morning, tomorrow morning, next week? Are you getting up and, and you just can't wait for the Lord to bring someone your way in your neighborhood or your job or your. I can't wait to go tell somebody. The one thing that Christians will say they believe. The one thing is the gospel and the Great Commission. But may I. May I ask you this question this morning? I know we cannot make every outreach. I don't expect you to, and God doesn't expect you to. But there should be one a month, one every every quarter, one biannual, one every six months, at the very least, one a year. That you're saying to yourself. Do you say this to yourself? Lord, I just can't wait till this outreach. I want to go and be a witness for you and tell somebody. Because if not, all this Sunday is, is just 
Well, it's a holy day that I've marked on my calendar. As soon, that same hour, the Bible says, they went out. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen. All right, go to the book of John. Look at John chapter 20. We'll get some new information in John as well. A universal audience here. Everyone needs to know that Jesus is the son of God. You know, we have gospel tracts that we give out. Next best thing to give out, if you can, would be a John and Romans. John is a great book. Uh, it's expensive to just start giving out Bibles all printed. So uh, John and Romans is a great uh, tool to give to folks as well. But it's, it, it speaks to everyone because they need to know Jesus as the son of God. And in John chapter 20, look at verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. And knew not that it was Jesus. She looks, but she don't know. Now watch, Jesus saith unto her, he asked a question. Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Watch her answer. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have been, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Now that's love. Mary, you're going to carry the Lord, Mary. <laughs> Come on. But in her mind, guess what she's going to do? Her love for the Lord is so great. I'll carry him. Where's he at? I'll pick him up. I'll carry him. Now, there's some doubt in there. There's confusion in there, sure. But you can't get away from the fact that that's a heart that's full of love. Mary, you're not carrying the Lord. Sorry. <laughs> but she thought she was. And you know what the Lord didn't do? Beat her up. Or he simply asked a question. One of the biggest hindrances to the Christian life is unconfessed doubt. And if we would just own it and confess it to the Lord, it would help us to not be bound by despair, by unbelief, or by trusting in our own wisdom. Are you Mary that sees Jesus as dead this morning? He's right there. He's risen. He's alive. But she's got doubt. She's got confusion. Yeah, she's got love. But she's looking right at him. And at that point in her life, she sees Jesus as dead. If you have a life that's full of despair and doubt and confusion, you will just see Jesus as dead working in your life. If you're a Christian, he is risen. That doesn't change. If you're a Christian, you do have the indwelt Holy Spirit. 
He's not going to leave you or forsake you. But if you don't yield to him in trust, you will be consumed with despair and doubt. And Jesus will be dead to you. Now he's not, but he will seem as if he is. We have gotten into a mess because the modern American evangelical church has made Christ about creeds and constitutions and not what the scripture says. We have turned religion into sacramental systems and we have developed dead letters of the law to try to govern our life. And as a result, we just have another carnal camp after carnal camp of so-called Christians popping up over here, popping up over there, and it's carnality. What does the scripture say? Christ, please, don't live your life as a Christian. With Christ dead. He's alive. And if you're saved. His spirit dwells in your heart. And all you will do. Is see him as a gardener. Well I don't see Christ. As a gardener as Mary does. Oh no. You might not see him as a gardener. You might just see him as fill in the blank. It's just confusion. It's despair. And until her eyes are open, she sees Christ for who he is. Look at John 20, verse 16. Here's what you don't get in John. This is unique to John's account. In verse number 16 of John 20, Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Now, you don't get that in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. But Mary only recognizes Jesus when Jesus says, Mary, I'm telling you, Jesus is calling your name. If you're saved, you've been redeemed. If you're not saved, all have sinned. If you're not saved, whosoever will. Jesus is calling you. Listen, she didn't believe that he was the risen Christ until Jesus said her name. Now, that's pretty special, and that's all he had to say. He didn't beat her up for disbelief. He didn't beat her up for her confusion. He didn't beat her up for her wide-eyed idea. Yeah, I'll just carry him. No, I'll, you tell me what the Lord is. I'll go get no. All he did was set her name. Praise God. Now, one more stop. Go to back to the book of Matthew. I wanted to save this one for last. And we're in Matthew chapter number 28. And this is the Jewish audience, the book of Matthew. And Christ is pictured as the coming Messiah and as the coming king. And in Matthew 28, let's look at verse number two. We'll start reading there. And behold, there was a great earthquake. That's unique 
to Matthew's account. There's uh, the angel of the Lord came descending from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of the keepers did shake and became as dead men. There's some earths. The earth is quaking and the people are shaking. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which is crucified. In Mark, in Luke, in John, they all testify that the stone was rolled away. We get all of that in all the accounts. But in the Matthew account, what is added is the earthquake. There was a great earthquake. Right? And it rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Let me ask you this morning. We see all those accounts list the stone rolled away. Is there a stone in your life that needs to be rolled away by the Lord? Have you built your own stone? And it's right there in front of you. Except it's really not. Except in your mind it is. And that stone. Prevents you. From going from here to here. Because you kind of like it that way. <laughs> you don't really want. To step out in faith and trust the Lord. So what we do is we create our stone. And there it is. But like we said earlier. There it's not. The Lord's moved it all out of the way. And if you created something in the figment of your imagination or your, your own mind, why don't you just allow the Lord to just take it away? So you can move forward for him. But that earthquake, it's like a royal trumpet that's proclaiming the greatest victory that's ever been wrought. Over the worst enemy that mankind can ever have. And that earthquake thunders. And it shows us Christ as the combatant wins against the foe, the enemy of death. And that earth that he created is now shaking. It's the powerful, majestic Lord coming up from the grave. There's so much symbolism there. It's the anger of the Lord that that earth just roars through the Lord defeating death and from anybody that it would even think for a minute that death could have held him in the grave do you preach the gospel if it includes the resurrection it's the gospel if it doesn't include the resurrection, you don't have an earth-shattering, magnificent Savior coming up from the grave. You've got to get to the resurrection. You've got to. If you haven't trusted him as risen Savior, I'm praying that your heart wake with fear under God's almighty Because if you die without him, you have no hope.
up from the grave. You're right. Up from the grave. You're right. Which one are you this morning? Maybe you're confused. Maybe you've created a stone. Maybe you just have fear. Maybe you're the one that always has to have the new information and you can't just deal with, well, this is the obvious stuff. Why don't we just praise God we have this? Whatever it is this morning, that empty tomb can preach to us. And I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He is justice and judgment or the habitation of his throne. He's the judge. He is the just one. And I'm telling you, Abraham did not say to his son Isaac, God did provide. No, no. God, he said, God will provide. Himself, a lamb or a burnt off. You know what Abraham called that place? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who graciously provided a substitute for Isaac. That's the Lord. He is the Lord, our righteousness. He said, I am the Lord, your God. He said that I am the Lord which sanctify you. He said, I am the almighty God. He's the God that seeth me. He's the most high God. The Bible says he is the possessor of heaven and earth. That's who rose again. I'm telling you, he is my redeemer. We are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We've got a distraction with rabbits around this time. I'm telling you, Mary had a little lamb that was to be slain. And die for three days and three nights was in the heart of the earth before he rose again from the grave. He's my righteousness. How about you? He's my sure reward. How about you? He's my Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my righteousness. And he has risen. From the grave. Bible says to the only wise God and Savior. Be glory and majesty. Dominion and power. Both now and ever. Amen. If I haven't already told you. He is risen from the dead. And he is my Savior and sin bearer. If he's not yours this morning. We would be glad to sit down and introduce you to him. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.